Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought underneath was a heavy metal band. <laughs> Don't drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We're going to do things a little different on this episode. As I said in the very beginning, I would like this show to be an open communication between Synapse Films and the fans and collectors of physical media. So on this episode, it's just going to be me and Jerry Chandler. And to start off with, I asked Jerry some questions about his personal taste, hopefully so that we can all get to know Jerry a little bit better and the things that he likes when it comes to movies and cinema. Then I asked Jerry some questions that I feel as if I'm asking on behalf of the fans. I asked Jerry to address uh, some concerns and some clarifications that I personally thought are worth addressing. So without further ado, let's get started with my in-depth conversation with Synapse Films co-owner, Mr. Jerry Chen. Hey, Jerry. Hey, man, what's happening? Not a whole lot. Listen, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm feeling a little hurt, Jerry. I, I found out that you were cheating on me with another podcast. What the hell's going on? <laughs> you were on the Splatterhouse podcast? Yes. You know, it was uh, last week or so. He expressed some interest in talking to me, and uh, it was a lot of fun. He asked some good questions. You know, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that you start up by bringing that up. You know, you, you said and you do an interview and whatever, and then as soon as it's over, you think about all the things you forgot to say or you should have said or you didn't say. But for Ryan's podcast, he asked me a question. And it was a very interesting question. It was, why does Synapse have fewer recalls or defects than... And I expounded. I said, well, you know, look, we did, we do our homework. We test the discs on players and uh, many different players. And we, you know, we're testing all through the creation process. That leads to far, far fewer uh, bad results when it gets to the hands of the uh, customer. However, I did leave one important thing out. That's only the first half of the story. The second half of the story comes after everything's been approved. All the check discs have been approved. And then it's all turned over to the actual manufacturer to stamp out 5,000, 10,000, whatever units of, of the title. Now, no matter how diligent any of our, us labels are before that process, no, we're all in the same boat if something goes wrong during the manufacturing process. So just to be fair to all labels, uh, from the biggest to the smallest, 
you know, something can happen in the manufacturing process and there is nothing anybody could have done to, to really foresee that. You know, if you get 5,000 units off the, the press and, you know, and it's going to be packaged and everything, you can't test all 5,000 units right. all the way through. You have to trust the process at some point. Right. So I wanted to make sure I, I said that, you know, if you, if it's a, how do I put it? If uh, the audio's off, if the picture looks bad, I mean, you know, something, sync, uh, subtitles, these are things that could have been corrected. Mm -hmm. But if the title skips, that's a manufacturing process, and it could happen to anybody, even us. But, uh, you know, it's an important distinction to make sure. because it could happen to anybody. You know, this part two, we'll call it, of the... Uh, defect could could happen to anybody, uh, no matter how diligent they are. Right, and right. that has to be pointed out. You know, sure. uh, I did. I did listen. It was a. It was a fun conversation, as you always are, Master Jerry. Oh, and thank uh, you. it was good. <laughs> and good luck to to their podcast too. Again, it's called the Splatterhouse Podcast. And in a few minutes, along in our conversation here, I am going to discuss a few. Things like that, like the the problems uh, that people have sometimes uh, with their uh, discs, and some of the some of the reasonings that people maybe come up with that are not the most uh, informed reasons. Sometimes people get upset and they kind of create their own reasons because they're frustrated and they they just they don't know why uh, their their disc or something isn't as it should be. So we're going to address some of those things uh, here in a few minutes. But first, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about some stuff going on here at Synapse. And then, Jerry, I'm going to ask you, you're going to be my guest a little bit this week. I'm gonna, this is going to be a Jerry Chandler heavy show. I'm going to ask oh, you no. questions that are just general questions uh, to let some of the people out there get to know you a little bit better and your taste <laughs> in movies and things like that. Um, so All first right. up, let's talk a little synapse here. Now, you know me, Jerry, and you know me well enough that I giggled and squealed a little bit when I was surprised when I got my, are you ready for this? When I got my newsletter emailed to me and lo and behold, what was staring me in the face, but the beautiful cover of Creature from Black Lake. The Bigfoot nice, huh? movie. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. So yeah. you want to talk a little bit about the, what was said on the newsletter about the release? You know, this is really Don's domain. Um, I, I can talk about it a little bit, but, you know, there's not a lot of overlap in what he does and what I do because we're spread so thin. So he decided to do a little early release of a slip covered version. You'll be able to get the regular version through your favorite uh, retailer. But anybody who buys it from either uh, the Synapse website or Diabolic while it's still in stock has the opportunity to get the slip-covered edition. Now, I say that if you buy it from the Synapse website, you will get the slip-covered edition because that's all we have here until it's our allotment sold out. But, um, yeah, it's just a little bit of extra value for the customers. And, and you know, we did it like this on purpose we wanted to you know we we want there to be a benefit to you getting the newsletter we we don't want our newsletter to just be spam where you know every once a month you there's nothing in there it's just 
you know, right. taking up space in your email. So we we sent that announcement out to the people who have subscribed to the newsletter first. Mm-hmm. So they got first crack at uh, the uh, slip-covered creature from Black Lake Blu-ray. Uh, we still have some left. So, you know, Tim, it, it's just a fun thing we're trying to do with the fans. We're trying to get people involved with us, you know. I mean, just to have fun. This is a fun business, and everything we're doing should be fun. And uh, so, you know, if you want to... You know, we don't want to upset anyone. Like if somebody misses out or something like that, just sign up for the newsletter. We promise you, we won't spam you at all. <laughs> and it's easy to unsubscribe. And the reason why I'm I'm kind of hammering away at that is, who knows? Maybe there's something else down the road. Who knows? Right, right. <laughs> well, and it's also a good way. It's it's a good way for Don to kind of directly communicate with people the way you directly communicate with people on this show more too, because. It's obvious that Don is doing his thing and you're in the office more doing yours and therefore you take over this part of the the communication. But I think we mentioned on the last episode too that that's a good way to get the communication from both you and Don. And then we can maybe discuss a little bit more here. You can always send questions here too. You can always email me at tim at synapsefilms.com. And if you have a question about something in the, in the, uh, the newsletter, I can make sure and ask Don and have the answer ready to go, too. So we don't even necessarily have to have Don here uh, taking his time when he's supposed to be working to get us those movies that I'm impatient for. <laughs> we need to keep him working doing that. So we can ask him, and then I can relay the message back to you, and we can discuss that. So just a, another idea, but uh, I do like the newsletter. It's a... It's not exactly a new idea, but it's always a good idea <laughs> to do that. So, sure. Um, sure. I have a question for you here, and this is a this is a um, oh, a, a geeky kind of question, but I think it's more on your end than let's say on on Don's end of the business here. And then I'm going to ask you a couple more just Jerry questions, but this one is, is a synapse <laughs> question. So, of, all right. Of course, I'm even proud to be associated with you guys because of your release of tombs of the blind dead it's a wonderful release and i am one of the fans who would ask so i'm going to ask and maybe you can address this and the answer may be very simple uh but it's a wonderful movie wonderful release why not the sequels of tombs of the blind dead yes yes there's a couple of problems first of all they're not owned by the same people that's the first problem. The second problem is nobody is able to locate decent film materials for two, three, or four. And you know Don, if he doesn't have good film materials, he's not going to put something out just for the sake of putting it out and grabbing a few more dollars. It's not our style. He has to be able to improve what's uh, been released. And uh, if he can't do that, he just doesn't want to put them out just for the sake of putting them out. Right. So it's not worth the headache it would cause you to try to work with multiple licensors to do this and then only to be given stuff that Don's not going to be able to work with anyway. Well, no, I would say that's uh, uh, missing the mark a little bit, but it's good that you said that in case people listening are are feeling the same way. So let me explain that. Working with the different licensors is no problem at all. That's just what we do. If you know, if you're a negotiator, a licensor, uh, you know, you you 
deal with the with the cards that you're dealt. The problem really is the materials. You know, there has to be materials. You can't snap your fingers and create them out of thin air if there's no materials. And the those three movies aren't the only movies that have th this particular problem with. We're going through this with a lot of titles right now, the things we haven't announced. And it's finding those materials. I had heard that through the grapevine, but we're going to talk about the grapevine in a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes the grapevine grows in crazy ways and it's not always, doesn't always uh, set you in the correct direction for the correct answers for your questions. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's the whole, if you are a student of the history of film, remember how flammable film was and how many films were lost in, in fires. You know, it's just crazy. Right. All right. So, well, let's. Have, I'm going to ask you some some personal Jerry questions here. All right. Okay. So just to kind of and nothing nothing too personal. This is more about your love for movies and and things like that and why we're all the same. You know, just to let people kind of get to know your tastes and things as well. Okay. Uh, we were talking on the Impulse podcast. By the way, thank you again for everyone listening to the the Impulse podcast. We'll be working on episode number two soon. But you did tell a story on that, a really fun story about your father and you going to the theater when you were very small, when you were very, about four right. years old, I think you were talking about. But that that gave me the idea for this question, because I don't think I'd ever heard you discuss this before. What is your earliest memory of a love for movies? So when... Now, that might have been your earliest memory for your love of the female form, but what is your earliest <laughs> love... Uh, that you can remember going, I love this experience. This is something I want to experience again. Uh, you know, I mean, at this point, I could, I could only tell you another embarrassing story. It's personally embarrassing. So folks out there listening should eat this one up. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> and, I don't know. And don't tell anybody, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't let anyone, this is between you and me, Tim. Right. Right. Um, but I go to the darkest recesses of my memory, stuff that I've buried for scores of years. And, you know, we expose it to the light of day. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a, it's like a, maybe a lemming in a cliff kind of a vibe. <laughs> right. But uh, I am not going to answer your question. I'm going to sidestep it with a story. Okay. <laughs> so we all remember the first movie I remember going to, right? That's mm -hmm. the one my dad took me to with the lady skiing. Right. Okay. So move the clock ahead about three or four years. And, you know, my, I have a brother and two sisters and, uh, you know, we're separated by a certain number of years. I mean, uh, my sister Evelyn is the oldest and Debbie was a year later or a year and a half later. And then six years later was me and six years later was my brother. So we were, were in different age groups. So what my mom would do is every Saturday, she would take one of us out for lunch into a movie and it would rotate. My mom was fair. She was a one. She is, she's still around. Thank God. She's a wonderful lady, but this was a, you know, a great little thing. So I used to, I used to scam my mom. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I am mean. I was mean back when I was seven or eight years old. I'm no different. So on my week, she would say, hey, Jer, where, what movie do you want to see? 
So I remember telling her we were okay. We were at some other movie theater watching some family movie or whatever. And they had a, a, a trailer for a movie called the Bible in the beginning. Uh-huh. Okay. I know it. Yep. And yeah, All right. And if you remember in that trailer, they have the garden of Eden. They got new uh, <laughs> Eve lying on her stomach nude and you could see her butt. Oh my God, that was that was hardcore for me when I was seven or eight. I said, "Mom, let's go see the Bible in the beginning." And she smiled. She, oh, my son, he actually wants to see a religious movie, and she was so proud of me and everything. Well, I told her that story um, a number of years later, and she she goes, "You're kidding! That's why you wanted to go." I said, of course. Are you kidding? I mean, but, you know, turn back the hands of time to 1967. No internet, no home video, no mm -hmm. nothing. If you're a kid and you wanted to see something, you had to try and find your dad's Playboys if he had any. <laughs> right, you know, right. I tore our house upside down a number of times. My dad didn't have any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, had to, I had to plan this out. If right. I was going to see something. Right, right. I also, I got her again. Um, what movie was it? This was uh, probably a couple of years later. I got her to take me to see a double, a horror film double feature. Do you remember a movie called The Curse of the Crimson Cult? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a little bit of nudity in that yeah. one, too. And I got <laughs> her to take me to see that one. I don't remember what it was playing with. Uh-huh. I think it was playing with Horror House. Okay. Do you remember that yes, one? Yes. I have never been so scared in my life. Uh -huh. I was nauseated. Remember, I was a little kid. This is before I went to see The Exorcist when I was 13. Uh -huh. I had talked my mom into taking me to see The Crimson Cult because I wanted to see some topless women. Right. And Horror House was thrown in. And if, it, well, see, it just wouldn't have the same effect that it had on me when I was a little kid because I, I didn't know what makeup effect were right and when that guy started cutting people i mean the first murder and it was graphic and stuff mm -hmm. it was oh my god i've never seen anything like that in my life i was i was thrilled i was horrified i was nauseated my mom goes jerry we're leaving i can't believe we i took you to this movie and blah 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 and i fought her the entire movie and if you'll remember at the very end of the movie the guy is, I think he's trying to get the girl in the house. She, she's in the house. He's coming after her with a knife and the cops are running and they're busting in the front of the house and the girl and the killer and the cops. And my mom grabs me by the shoulder because I was a little kid and said, that's it. We're out. <laughs> and I could not find out how that goddamn movie ended <laughs> for like 40 years. It uh -huh. took me to, to find, and I always wondered. And the ending was inconclusive. The guy just <laughs> runs out of the house and into the woods, and that's how the movie ends. And it's like, what? But anyways, yeah. so did I answer your question no. even but, tangentially? But, but, but what I'm reading here is that you you were kind of being a little stinker, wanting to go see the movies to see to see some ladies, but that, that you had started catching on to some of these movies. And that they grew on you a little bit. Is that kind of exactly. what it was? Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, you asked a question and I could give a, a, a choir boy type of answer, right. but that wasn't me. And I, I'm assuming 
that there's an awful lot of people out there that are just like me. You know, everything was an angle. What could you get off your parents? You know, they had the stuff you, it was your job as the kid to get the, what they had access to. Right. And how could you do it? And all of my growing up was scamming my parents one way or the other. Of course, now, you know, my parents are in their nineties and I love them so much and I'm totally dedicated to them and everything like that. I mean, you know, I, I never feel bad about the stuff I did as a youth because, you know, everything a person does, it's like a mathematical equation. This plus that plus this plus that equals the person you are today. So if you're happy with the person you are today, you can't pick apart what all the factors that made you. They are what, you know, you wouldn't be the same person without both the good and the bad. Um, here's a question for you that uh, I, I know exactly how your wonderful wife Paige would answer this question, but okay. I don't know how you would answer it. Do you prefer in general older movies or newer films? I know how Paige would answer this <laughs> and how I would too, but do you prefer older and newer films? I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think I really deserve to answer that question. I don't deserve that question because I'm not, you know, I consider Don Felsher, my wife Paige, you, I consider you guys film experts. I am, I do not consider myself a film expert at all. I just, uh, somebody who likes what I like. So, I love new movies with lots of special effects and stuff like that. But I love like the original Frankenstein and the black and white. And I, I, I love that stuff too. So I, I wouldn't say new versus old, old versus new or whatever. It's more like the movie itself. Either I love it or I don't. Although okay. I will say this now that I'm starting to talk, I do love the feel of seventies indie films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, uh, like the feel you get from watching Dawn of the dead or Texas chainsaw, the first one mm-hmm. or Hills have eyes, the original, that, that, that feel, I don't know. I'm not articulating. Well, no, you are. There, well, well, no, I think every decade and even sometimes a half a decade, like I think the early eighties is much different than the late eighties and the mid eighties is a tra- is a transition. The early seventies and the late seventies are different. And I think that there's a, even the film stock is different and the, the lenses that people are using are different, you know, and the yeah. techniques. So, so that whole yeah. Lamora era, uh-huh. Lamora is another great one from that era. I love that mid, that early to late 70s feel. Yeah, I get it. What are, this is a really, this is a, this is a hot question that's been being discussed and debated for a long, long time. But what are your thoughts? on the the remakes and the reboots of some of these classic movies and franchises that seem to keep getting popped out uh, left and right. I could sum it up very succinctly like this. Nobody's interested in a remake of a great movie. If there's a movie that could have been great, that was crappy, by all means, do a remake. But nobody's interested in a remake of a great movie. What people would like to see, and this is my opinion, of course, I mean, anybody listening might feel the exact opposite of this, but my gut says, you know, I don't want to see a remake. I want to see a reimagining 
or a continuation. What's a good example? Um, I loved the the redoing, shall we say, of Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. Because to me, it wasn't a remake. It wasn't a remake at all. You know, if you look at Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead, the story, it may have been set in Pennsylvania or the Pittsburgh area, wherever. But clearly, it's happening all over the world. So in the newer Dawn of the Dead, that wasn't in Pennsylvania. It was somewhere further west in the U.S. It could have been anywhere. There could have been a hundred stories like that in a hundred different malls across the country or the world. And each one would be a slightly different story. So I could say to myself, this is, they're not remaking Dawn of the Dead. They're just telling another story of what was occurring at the same time. And maybe in a different geographical area, those zombies could, could move faster than the ones on the East Coast. You know, I, I could justify it and then open myself up to the new story. Whereas a lot of people just said, Dawn of the Dead doesn't need to be remade and I'm not going to watch I Hate It or whatever, which, fine. But to me, there, it was just telling a different story, you know, another chapter of that story. And it was told pretty well. I enjoyed it. Okay, so now I'm going to pivot a little bit, Jerry. Um, so here's the deal. I'm a fan a long-time fan, a long-time physical media collector, as just about everybody listening, as yourself as well. I've been proudly serving my role here at Synapse for, believe it or not, going on a year and a half now. Uh, but I'm still a collector and a customer uh, to many different uh, entities. <laughs> from when you know, We all collect films. So I still swim all in the fandom, all in those shark-infested waters. And now I find myself in real time seeing why yourself, Don, other companies keep info kind of close to the vest. I'm also a big-time complainer. Love to complain when something is wrong. So I wanted to go through some of this stuff with, with you because as a fan as a customer and as a complainer and now someone who is kind of been working with you guys for a little bit now, there's uh, things aren't always as they seem. As far as synapse goes, I want to address this again. Um, the method by which synapse goes by putting out a special edition and then releasing a standard edition after that. And I get this sense sometimes, and I understand this because as a fan, I'm never completely satisfied and I'm always protecting my turf. I'd just like you to explain again and maybe discuss about when you put out a, a special release. It is because that is for the fan fan and someone who really wants to make an investment in this film and that they're not just there because you know for sure you're putting out a standard edition and that that's just the way that you guys do things and that if the special edition sells really well then there will be a standard edition oh well listen it's basically this we put everything into the restoration and we would like to get our money out of the restoration um if we you know a lot of titles 
don't merit the amount of money we put into the restoration because there's just not enough fans out there for it. So what we do is, okay, we're going to restore it. We put it out of somewhat more expensive edition, but it's got all the bells and whistles. And, you know, if we can sell enough to make our money back, then we'll, we'll make it easier for the folks that, uh, don't want to spend the five or ten dollars extra. I mean, right. we try and jam that steel book so full of extras that unless you're not an extras type person, right? But then you run the risk of not getting it at all because if you know we if we can't make our money back, we can't put more money into doing a now a regular version. This is not a this is not a, a double dip, and I think some people might think it's a double dip. It's like a reverse double dip. You know, you, you get the, the, the everything version first. And if we run out of those, which means we've sold enough, then we do a lesser, like more standard version. Lesser in the sense that it won't have all the extras. It'll be the same transfer. Everything will be great. You know. I think, I think what it is, too, is that it's, it's not trying to get someone to, to buy something and then they're upset because it comes out later on down the road in a less expensive package. It's the fact that you don't even know if you're going to be able to do that less expensive package. And, right. and no it, one's, it's, not a re- it's not a reward for anybody, Tim. It's mm-hmm. a, okay, you missed out on the steel book here. Here's our transfer and some of the extras. Here you go. It's more of a service to the fan. But at this point, you know, it's funny. Uh, I've, you ever hear the expression, opinions are like assholes? Everybody's got one. Right. Okay. Right. right. And we, we've learned the hard way. Uh, let me give you an example. When in the early, earliest days of Blu-ray, we decided, you know what? We'll do combos. Because then people don't have to decide, do they want the Blu-ray, do they want the DVD? And sometimes the Blu-ray version has more extras because we can fit more on the disc. Uh, You know, the best example is uh, uh, Creep Behind the Camera. If you buy the DVD version, you just get the the film Creep Behind the Camera, which is an amazing movie, Mm -hmm. just fabulous. But if you buy the Blu-ray, you also get the movie that the creep made for creep behind the camera. You get his movie Mm -hmm. as a bonus. Mm -hmm. So we put out the combo, you know, they may need to buy a Blu-ray player down the road, but they got the combo. So if, if they ever do, they don't have to rebuy the uh, disc again. And for the extra disc in there, we added usually about $5. We got a billion emails Two or three saying, wow, great idea. The rest saying, why do I have to buy the Blu-ray when I just want the DVD? Why do I have to buy the DVD when I just want the Blu-ray? So that lasted about five. I think we did five combos before Don said, okay, that's it. We can't take it anymore. So we stopped doing combos. So within... A few weeks, people picked up on that, and I started getting a million more. Why, why aren't you doing combos? I want both. So you can't please everybody. It's impossible. It's totally impossible. So we cannot guess what our next email is going to be complaining about. <laughs> 
we could only base it off all the complaints we already got. So we try and shift to what seems to be what most most of the people want. And we, we seem to have gotten more complaints about doing combos than about not doing combos. So we kind of stopped doing combos. So that's all you can do. We we try and do the best we can with, with the steel books and the special editions, and we make them wonderful. And that's what we want to sell you. That's what you should have. And if you miss it, then we'll we'll make up uh, also ran kind of. It gives you the picture. It gives you most of the extras because you missed it. Um, if it didn't sell, if people just didn't care, then okay, there's not going to be a cheaper version. Why? Because people don't care. They just don't care about that movie or they don't care enough to buy this particular version. So we can't go throwing money. If we didn't even break even on the, the expensive version, we can't go investing more money into a uh, into a lesser version that may not sell at all. Right. I think what it is is that, it, is that some people feel like they, they, they buy the expensive one, and then later on, they could have just saved the money had they waited. And yet, a lot of times, if you have a good title, it does sell well enough for you to put out the other edition. And I guess maybe sometimes I feel like some people think, are they just going to release that anyway? Should I just wait? Well, that's up to you. Because if, if it doesn't do well, then there may not be any standard release at all. And I think that that's, it's such a simple thing, but I think people kind of get caught up in it because we're all trying to save a buck. Well, let me just assure you of one thing. I can't speak for any of the other labels, but I can definitely speak for Synapse when I say we do zero planning for anything. It's literally whatever happens that day. Mm-hmm, <laughs> we right. work on it. I mean, there's <laughs> you're, you know, you you're reactors, plan. not actors, right? <laughs> yeah, so you can plan in this business, but we are we're woefully understaffed with me and Noah and and Don and and you know if we're not doing shows, our help we have lots of helpers for the shows, but for right. the the business business, right? So to sit there and actually plan anything, forget about it. I mean, the fate will fix you, but good. So we we just fly by the seat of the pants and do the best we can. And we have general policies, so to speak. And, and that's what we're discussing, really. It's not like Don and I actually had the time to actually sit down and think about any of this. You know, it's just it, it's and that's another thing people don't understand. You know, if they don't see us, they probably think that we sit around in a room when we have advisors and uh, my people have my people call your people and we'll do lunch, you know, it's not like that. You know, Noah and I are, are running around like uh, chickens trying to get everything done and to do interviews for podcasts <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's crazy. Right. Uh, and Don is constantly nonstop doing his, his thing. So, we just do the best we can and we try and please as many people as possible. And we don't have the time to think of nefarious ways to take advantage of the customers. It's really, it's, it's just, there's no time for it. Well, and I've never asked, but I got to think it's not super normal for someone just to have one QC guy. And that is the most time consuming. Uh, <laughs> Mind-numbingly crazy thing. QCing is tremendously expensive, 
And who's going to do it? Are you going to do it? Do you have time for it? Or are you going to ask the people who did the work for you to do it? Well, if they quoted you X number of dollars an hour, chances are that wasn't for QC. Now you got to tell them all the work you did for an hour and a half movie, you got to sit back in QC. They're going to double the price because they can't be working on another project. So nobody wants to QC anything. So when we get a project and, and Don or I have to QC it and like I, I QC the impulse stuff, um, we're scared, we're frightened, and we're hoping for the best. We don't know if what we get is going to play, if it's going to be right. So yeah, yeah, QCing is is the it's the the worst part of this business. Hence, the answer to Ryan's question: Why is there an awful lot of uh, returns or, or recalls? You know, the thing at the when we first started talking today, I wanted to bring up that anything could happen to anyone in the manufacturing process. And that's not on the label. Right. right. There's nothing. Our our worst enemy could have uh, something. And I wouldn't say it was because of them, you know, in the manufacturing process, anything could happen. There's a lot of different moving parts to a release to a film. There's a lot of, there's a lot to know about a certain title, much less, thousands and thousands and thousands of titles. The information that you give me and the information that you give on this podcast is the information to the best of your knowledge, correct? That's exactly what I was going to say. It's just to the best of my abilities. Could you at least confirm for me that not unlike companies, that the licensors are maybe people who, studios, whoever own these films or own the prints, there is also some gamemanship on their end as well. They may tell you something that they're not going to tell another company because they're working with you on something. And it's, it's, a, it's a deal that's not done yet. It's, you're not privy to that. Sure. Let, let me put it to you like this. Okay. We could, we're beating around a big bush, but we can sum it up very simply. You know, any business, including our business, is like a neighborhood. You have a house in the middle of your block with houses across the street and houses on either side of you. In one house, you might have a a very good neighbor that lives honestly by the letter of the law. Everything's by the book. Another neighbor might constantly be coming over to borrow sugar. Another neighbor might be stealing uh, things out of your backyard. Uh, There's all kinds of neighbors, all kinds, and you live in the neighborhood. Your main goal is getting through taking care of your family and getting on with your life. Occasionally, you have to deal with these neighbors. But how often do you sit there and think about your neighbors? You're thinking about your life and what you have to do. So I generally... You know, how do I put it? You know, the licensors, good, bad, medium, you know, in the middle. Uh, Competitors, same way. There's competitors that we're very close with. There's competitors we're neutral with. And there's competitors we can't stand. But is there an ongoing war? Do we think about them? Do we base our daily dealings based on what they're doing or going to? Absolutely not. Furthest thing from our mind But that doesn't make exciting reading. If you're a fan and this is your hobby, 
you're going to take a, a huge interest in this and you're going to build things up in your mind. So the last thing fans want to hear me say is we're not at war with uh, Arrow or Vinegar Syndrome or name Philip Saverin or we're they don't want to hear that. It's not exciting. They'd like to hear all oh, those bastards at so-and-so they did this and I did it. That's, that's what's exciting, but that's really not the real world. We get along fine with just about everybody. There's a few people that are so churlish that eh, we don't, we don't bother with them, but that's not us. We're Don and I are very nice people and we'll talk to, to anybody, but you know, we can be bullshat by our competitors, even right. if they're friendly, our licensors. I mean, we routinely get promised certain materials because Don won't do a deal unless we, we have access to those materials. And then once the deal is signed and the money's paid, the materials never show up and we're left on our own to find them or to try and find them. Uh, sometimes we could get our money back. Sometimes we can't. I mean, it's unbelievable. So we'll ask questions and our licensors will tell us an answer, but we never know whether that answer is really true or they're just blowing us off because they don't want to keep looking or they promise something they know they didn't have or whatever, fill in the blank. So if somebody asks me a question, I could base my answer on what I've heard, but I'm telling everybody right now, don't, you know, if it's a speculative type question, don't place bets based on what I've said. You know, mm -hmm. I can always be wrong. And for whatever reason, I could be wrong because I was misinformed or I didn't understand the answer or somebody out outright lied to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, there's an interesting example of um, one of these things. I was asked a question when we did the flashback show. I don't know. Do you remember that yeah, a couple oh, of weeks ago? Yeah, we, yeah. we had our little mini podcast yep, there. Yep. And one of the fans asked a question about, you know, materials or something. And I, off the top of my head, I mentioned coffin joe right. and i said you know that uh i believe arrow was supposed to work on that but we had heard that uh, the negatives were lost in a horrible fire down in brazil mm -hmm. you know I'll, I'll skip the details of right. the fire but you know uh coffin joe's son a guy named crunel had emailed us a few years ago for various reasons and uh so when I heard about the fire, I sent him an email saying, Crunel, tell me it's not true. Did, did, did you lose all the uh, materials? And I never heard back. Well, why, why wouldn't he, you know, we were talking, why wouldn't he reply back to me? So I figured, oh, he's crushed. Right. You know, he couldn't even bring himself to answer. So I asked the licensor and the licensor said, nope, we have no access to any materials. But she always says that, or always said that, because we were. She was always promising us high def materials and never gave us anything. So it's quite possible that neither one of them really answered that question. And I assumed because of her never giving us any good materials or access to, and him not answering at all, I assumed all was lost. So 
I assumed, yeah, it must have been lost in the fire. And I think I said that. Mm -hmm. Okay, does that make me a bad person if I'm wrong? No, it was, this is what I thought. It was honest. Um, So I haven't seen it, but somebody told me that somebody from Arrow posted and said, no, no, that's not true. They, the negatives were saved and they're working on them right now. Awesome. That's great. That is good news for all the horror fans out there because Coffin Joe movies are very serious and they're very mean spirited and they should be seen. And then Embodiment of Evil is a masterpiece for horror and gore. I mean, it's over the top, but it's a great, great movie. So if Arrow is restoring these and they are going to come out, they're doing the world quite a service. I know Jerry well enough to know that he doesn't sit on all the competitors' websites seeing what titles they're putting out. He's concerned about what Synapse is doing. And so if he says something that's wrong, it doesn't mean he's trying to he's trying to mislead you. It's just the fact that that's his knowledge at that time. And that is You know, Tim, yeah. let me just interject here. I I mentioned Coffin Joe because we're working with Arrow. Otherwise, it would never have been on my mind. You know, I mean, otherwise, it's not like I, I'm spying on Arrow and I'm trying to to uh, to uh, subvert their release. Absolutely not. I really like those people. Yeah, right. uh, but on the other hand, you're doing something very wrong here, Tim. And please don't cut this out of the interview. Okay. I play much better as a villain. So don't talk to people. Talk them <laughs> out of making me a villain. I'm like uh, Han- the Hannibal Lecter. You know, I I don't want to be the nice Hannibal. I'm the mean Hannibal. So if they want to think I'm doing stuff on purpose, please allow it. You right. know, right. I am everybody out there. I'm not asking for Tim's defense. I, I, uh, I revel in my, uh, you know, notoriety. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm not even trying to defend you. I'm just defending the <laughs> truth and how I saw it myself and how wow, I felt listen. about it. How I felt about it was this. I felt horrible when you were telling me about those Coffin Joe movies. And then when I found out that maybe they were found, I felt great. I wasn't mad at you. You didn't do anything. Yeah, well, you no, know? that's all good news. I mean, <laughs> right. that's all good news. Right. It's like, but having said that, look, you got to allow people to have their fantasy lives. So if they want to imagine that we're sitting here like Iwo Jima <laughs> having, uh, you know, raising the synapse flag while we're being bombarded, but it's it's really not the case. It's no. romantic, but it's not the case. Right. I think what I'm trying to say is, I think as fans, we're blowing these things out of proportion. Would you agree that it's probably a pr- the, the big competitive part of this is really landing the title itself, correct? Yeah, that's where the only competition is. It's only in landing the title. Once we, you know, it's not we're all selling eggs. I have ostrich eggs. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome has crocodile eggs. Uh, you know, Severin has, uh, we are, we're selling different products. They may all be movies, but they're different movies. So the top, let me just, I, I would like to say this. The only thing I personally, I can't speak for you or Don or anyone else here at the, you know, the only thing that really, really bothers me and it's because I, it's taken me 20 plus years to learn about the intricacies of this business. Mm-hmm. Some people 
you, you know, to ever hear the expression, a little bit of knowledge on something is very dangerous. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you should either have no knowledge or a lot of knowledge, but a little bit is dangerous. So some people hear things and it kind of makes sense to them. So they then assume they know all there, there is to know, and they'll say something that is expounding upon an incorrect idea. And mm-hmm. if you look on certain websites and message boards, you have these people who are so pompous they sit there and they say well synapse or name the label Mm -hmm. did this wrong because i know that this and that and this is how you and that's how you these people have no clue well it's not my job to correct them and it's nobody else's job and nobody else in the business has the time to correct them So go and try correcting somebody that says something stupid that's not even remotely related to how things actually work in the business or producing discs and go and try and correct them and see what happens. You have a thousand snipers. Now that you've opened your mouth, they're all aiming right at your brain and they're going to shred your punctuation, your diction. If they can't get you on the facts of what you're commenting on, they're going to find some other way to punish you. So aside from the fact that you're, you know, you stick out your hand to shake somebody's hand and they punch you in the jaw or the fact that you just don't have the time to, to correct something that from its very premise is incorrect People aren't correcting these people. So everybody assumes what they say is correct. Now you got a whole legion of people believing nonsense. And at that point, we say, okay, we're done with this message board. You know, we're not going back there. First of all, it's unfriendly. Second of all, these people are know-it-alls and they they think they're not asking questions or they're answering other people's questions before you can answer them. And and it could be a friendly question, but it could be, no, they didn't do that because they're assholes and here's why. And I mean, everybody has an opinion and they're all willing to share it. And there's no civility because they're sitting behind a computer screen. They know you're not going to their house to punch them in the mouth for embarrassing you in front of a million people. We can rail and scream about it all we want, but it's human nature and it's not going to change. So this is what happens. When it happens, then you have folks like us not coming to the boards anymore because we're human beings just like you and just like somebody who might be listening. I have a mom and dad too, a wife and children. I have feelings. I like to eat when I'm hungry. I like to sleep when I'm tired. I like to puff a joint from time to time. It's been rumored. I I can neither confirm nor deny, but I'm like everybody else. I'm just a person. So what if they took listener X out there and said, okay, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to be in charge of this company and you have to respond to people. You're going to say, geez, why are they attacking me? Why did they say that? That hurts my feelings. We can't sit there and pretend we're, monoliths and he knows this kind of stuff is hurtful to us so the best cure is not to go there if there's two bus stops one to the right of your house one to the left if you go to the left one every morning and the bullies are all they're beating on you sooner or later you say okay i'm gonna go to the stop on the right i'm tired of getting punched in the mouth so 
that that's I think Don left the the Facebook and all the bulletin boards years ago. I'll still look and see what people are saying, but most of the time I won't respond because you know they're not going to re- appreciate my response. The person saying the bad thing doesn't want to hear me defending myself. He just right. got a big, uh, he's putting out his chest because he said something nasty about us, you know. Let, let me sum it up like this. Here's how I would like to sum up this discussion. I, I, and it's, you're out of this. This is me talking directly to the people listening. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, you're, you're out. out of this. You know, we have the honor and the privilege to be allowed to service the fans. Tim told me about what he wanted to discuss in this episode. And I had mixed feelings because he wanted to address some of the fan issues. And I, I had misgivings. And the reason is this, you know, Don and I were fans just like you guys out there, everybody, guys and gals, you know, you guys liked what we did with the first synapse titles and you bought them and you kept buying them and you kept buying our product. And we've been going 26 years now, almost 300 titles. We owe it to you guys. We're at your service. We are at the service of fandom because when you guys decide you're not interested in our stuff anymore, we're done. We're out of business. So we understand the people who like us, the people who hate us, the people who say nice things, the people who say awful things. This is your world that you guys have allowed us to exist in and to be part of, and we appreciate it. We love everybody out there, the lovers, the haters, everybody, because without all of you, we wouldn't have a business and we wouldn't have these fun podcasts or any any of this stuff. So at the end of the day, you know, look, if you want us to respond in a positive way, I would just say, ask us questions in a positive way. Um, that's all. But you're free to do and say and and theorize any way you want. It, it doesn't it doesn't bother us at all. It bothers some of our people like Tim, you know, maybe our publicist. We just don't have the time to get that excited about it. Our publicist, this is what we pay him to do, to get excited about stuff like that. But, for us, we're just working on the next project at all times and getting people's orders out to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I see where you're coming from, Tim, and where everybody's coming from, and it's okay. Just keep on being fans, good or bad. We don't care. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, it, it, it only bothers me because it's not what I don't know. It's what I do know. And what's frustrating is that I, I guess I feel like there's a this is a pretty big megaphone for synapse right now and i feel like that that as a fan myself that there's just a few things that in general i want to clear up i don't know the the details of any of these titles and things and maybe the the whatever uh any kind of toe stepping on i don't really know the details of any i really don't but what i do know is that it's not what it it isn't (laughs) wars that's what I know. I know for sure it isn't. I see you interact with people. I mean, I know. Before you reveal any more company secrets, <laughs> I would ask you to turn back to The Wizard of Oz. Now, I know you have seen old movies. You love them. Just like my wife, Paige. Yes. She, you, got, you are two peas in a pod. Yes, we are. Yep. But if you go back to the original Wizard of Oz, 
think of how thrilled you were when the wizard was on the screen with the fire and he was saying, oh, you know, whatever it was he was saying. But when she finally pulled back that that uh, curtain and you saw the little guy sitting there, you know, the movie was became slightly less thrilling. So don't pull back the curtain. Let these guys think that Don and I are the the great and powerful Oz and we have all this power and people quake in fear and the things we say and do and what like we come up with next. Don't reveal that we're just two guys. <laughs> <laughs> just two little guys, you know, sitting at the end of a, a thing, you know. Yeah. That's all we are. But you know, well, on some level. On yeah, it's going. I was gonna say on some level, I kind of feel like I'm defending other companies too a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, because I, I like them. The same. They may have. I mean, look at all the notoriety that some of these companies have. You yeah, know. Yeah. I have a feeling that the reality is much, much more mundane. So they might not want you to <laughs> stick up for them either. Right. Well, well here's the I'm thing. I'm basically <laughs> saying, leave, leave them alone. Let them hate us. It's okay. It's okay. We, we're big boys. Well, let's just, I mean, I mean uh, I'm here for the movies. You're here for the I movies. We're, we're, I, and and that, that is the main thing that I want that I'm trying. This whole conversation, almost in a way, was just to just remind me and and, and to remind everyone that we're all here for the movies and Synapse acquires a small piece of that pie and they work hard to get them out and other companies do it their own way as well. And every now and then maybe a company steps on toes, but they're all too damn busy to get too caught up in any kind of drama. Just like most people listening are at their jobs too. They have a little bit of drama but in reality, it's probably most mostly like I got time for this man, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. but um, it's all good. I I gotta say, you know, I've been in a number of businesses over my life, and I'm in my early sixties. This is the greatest business I've ever been in, and I I really really love it, and I love the fans. I just do, and there has to be good ones and bad ones. Otherwise, you wouldn't know the good ones are good. You know, it's like life. There's a lesson in life, too. You know, I tell my daughters, you know, it's like a sine wave, ups and downs, ups and downs. You have to have those downs. Otherwise, the ups would just be the normal and they wouldn't be ups. So enjoy the good times when you have them and don't get too down about the bad times because there's a good time right ahead of it. It's coming. Be patient. You'll get through it. Whatever you're dealing with, you'll get through it. And that's we have. I mean, 26 years in this business. We've seen a lot of companies come and a lot of companies go, and there's a few people that have been here almost as long as us. But man, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, but it is fun. It is definitely fun. Uh, one other thing I would like to mention, and please do not edit this out. This is a mes another message me directly to the fans. Fans, this is what you get when you don't complain about me. Tim thought it was a good idea that I do this whole show myself. See? Bad idea. Please send your hate mail directly to Tim. He will give you the email address and tell him, be honest, that you never want a Jerry-only episode again. Please. Yeah, if you could send those to my the hate mail, that is my Timo at synapse-films.com. <laughs> That's where I get my dash in there is when, is when it's hate mail. So, um, all right. Well, I appreciate it, Jerry. And don't forget, everybody, also, uh, 
listen to the uh, Impulse uh, episode we had just done. And also there's going to be another episode, I believe, coming up shortly as well. But thanks, Jerry, for talking to really the fans. And I know the fans, whether or not they agree with you or not, I know that they appreciate the fact you're coming on here and, and speaking too. So thank you. Yep. They can feel any way they want with our pleasure. You know, we're there under their good graces. You know, if not for them, there wouldn't be any synapse. So there you have it. Anyways, I will bid you adieu and uh, until next time. Thank you, Jerry. All right, man. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you, Jerry Chandler, and I hope that that conversation answered at least a few questions. And remember, please, if you have any questions or comments that you would like me to forward on to Jerry or even ask him about on this podcast, email me at tim at synapsefilms.com. Tim at synapsefilms.com. Again, we want this to be an open communication with the fans. So drop a line and we will address your concerns. It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. I'm tired of being sick, always worse, but never get.